This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee and this is Campaign Catch-Up, bringing you the top news and analysis on the 2022 federal election. Today, political editor Catherine Murphy joins me to discuss the value of the press pack on the campaign trail. But first, here's what happened today. Opposition leader Anthony Albanese was in Sydney in his own electorate of Graindler. He was asked why Labor is dropping its policy of adding super to paid parental leave. We've just had questions about the economy and about costs and about fiscal policy. We're being very measured. Would this be a good thing to do? Yes, it would be. It is something that we'll examine in government, but in a range of areas. What we're doing is being responsible. He also said he was seriously considering a royal commission into the pandemic response if elected. This was previously recommended by a parliamentary inquiry chaired by Labor Senator Katie Gallagher. I cannot envisage a situation in which whoever wins government wouldn't want to examine the once-in-a-century pandemic and the response. You have to do so. We have to examine it so that we learn the lessons, not as a political exercise, although some of it undoubtedly would be political. Prime Minister Scott Morrison was in Perth. Why are you personally opposed to a Royal Commission or a review into the handling of the pandemic? Well, I've said all along that we're still in the pandemic. The pandemic hasn't completed. Morrison could not say how much taxpayers would have to pay for the government's decision to scrap its submarine deal with France. The Department of Defence has previously said that negotiations with France's naval group could be finished before July. Right, how much do you expect it will cost? Well, we don't know at this point. You must have some idea how much money well, is Well, I'm not going to preempt any such commercial negotiation. That would, be, that would be foolish. That would be reckless. And former Liberal Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull has weighed into the campaign. He's preparing to tell the Washington Harvard Club that moderate Liberal voices like his have been marginalised since he was tossed out as leader in 2018. He told the ABC that Teal Independents challenging moderate Liberal seats provided more choices for voters, which was good for democracy, but he stopped short of encouraging Liberal voters to switch to independent candidates. In the Federal Party room, the tide has really gone out for the smaller Liberals and the moderates, and so the consequence is that people who were more comfortable with that side of the Liberal Party are, if you like, voting with their feet and supporting Teal independence. I don't share his view. Prime Minister Scott Morrison stood by his argument that independent candidates would bring chaos to Parliament. The chaos of a Parliament driven by the daily musings of independents who haven't had the experience to deal with the serious security and economic challenges our country faces, that is going to hurt people's income. I think all of Australia really deserves to know, will you resign as leader in the case of a hung parliament? You say it's a cavalcade of chaos, so will you resign? This is a choice for the Australian people. That's not a yes or no answer, Prime Minister. Well, you get to ask the questions. You don't get to say what the answer is. Coming up, political editor Catherine Murphy is here to talk about how Anthony Albanese is doing battle with the press pack on the campaign trail. Hi, Murph. Hello, love. How are you? I'm good. You're back from the trail. I am. I'm alive. I'm back in Canberra. Yes. So tell us, Murph, there's been another gaffe on Albanese's trail, this time about the NDIS. Seems to be dominating his press conferences two days in a row. Can you talk us through 
what happened yesterday? What happened? Uh, okay, well, <laughs> sort of started calmly enough, but at a certain point in the press conference, uh, Anthony Albanese was asked, uh, could he outline the various points in Labor's NDIS plan uh, because he was sort of making some general points about the scheme. And immediately he could not outline the six points of Labor's NDIS plan and he sort of barreled forward, making a point that, you know, Labor's approach was that they were going to bring people back to the centre of the scheme. Reporters were not sated by these thoughts, however, uh, continued to persist, you know, name them, name them. And uh, Anthony Albanese, I believe, signalled to an advisor who rustled up a folder, who brought the folder over, put it in front of him, and there it was. Another moment was generated on the campaign trail about Anthony Albanese having a brain fade, which then funded into the nightly television news as another gaffe, another stumble, another, another campaign moment, basically. How does this gaffe compare with the one in the first week of the campaign trail on the unemployment rate, Murph? Well, I think, look, that first slip was a damaging one, damaging to the extent that it went to the heart of the narrative that Scott Morrison was trying to present about Anthony Albanese as being not across the detail, not experienced on economics, not up to the job to being Prime Minister. So that was the sort of utility, I suppose, of that of that slip, and that's why it made it dangerous. In terms of, you know, can you identify the six points of your own policy? Uh, Obviously, uh, one should expect that leaders of either political party are able to articulate their own programs and policies, but obviously uh, it's sort of a way off, isn't it, The, the sort of substance of what most people would care about. If we think about what voters care about with the NDIS at this point in time, people are having their packages cut, they're finding dealing with the bureaucracy of the scheme almost impossible. You know, these are the substantive issues that are relevant. I think most ordinary voters would not give a crap about whether or not Anthony Albanese could stand up, wrote and recite his own policy. It's sort of, it creates this gap, I think, between, you know, what people who are trying to think about casting their votes in an election are thinking about and what the press is doing by way of performative accountability. And that is what these episodes are. Mm. They are episodes in performative accountability. Mm, That's a really interesting phrase to describe this because you also said earlier that a moment was generated. Uh, It sort of seems like as much as the press do a really important job in trying to deliver the message that and cut through a lot of spin and explain to voters what's happening on this campaign. Part of this, part of what we're discussing now seems to be um, journalists' ability to find moments uh, that will be interesting or entertaining that don't actually serve voters in a in a more in a more important way. Yeah, that's right. Well this is where the story ends, Jane. There has been there has been 10 years of technological disruption in our own industry campaigns have these processes of commodification. It's there's news gathering, reportage, analysis, documentary, all of the things that have always been associated with election campaigns. But there is also this commodification of moment generation and sharing because it feeds that whole engagement cycle basically on social media platforms, on mainstream media platforms. Mm. 
I mean, there were there are a number of questions today that seem to rely on these so-called standards that we evaluate leadership on. You know, there was his physical fitness post-COVID recovery to be on the campaign trail as often as Scott Morrison, the ability to stand up to tough questioning from aggressive journalists. Yesterday's press conference, do you think it was unfair to hound you on specific bullet points of the NDIS policy? Uh, do you think that line of questioning was unfair? And uh, if so, how are you going to stand up to Xi Jinping if you can't stand up to us? Are these the best standards to that we should be measuring our leaders by? Well... <laughs> Yes. Well, it's it's sort of it's not you know it's not gladiator, is it? You know, it's not it's not survivor. Um, the gap between uh, some of the questions that are being posed and the challenges facing the country is just inordinately large. It's sort of like it's parallel universes, right? Like like the sort of thinking behind the process is right. We need to put them on the spot. We need to be able to make sure they they do know their own policies. They can answer detailed questions about them. These tests are important. They have grown up in democratic traditions for a reason. But I just think for some reason in this campaign, the gap between the tests, the arbitrary tests the media is setting and the questions and the reality of how one would be as a prime minister, as a leader, is is probably as, as wide as I have ever seen it. I'm not saying that we abolish this whole uh, system of campaigning and accountability. That's obviously ridiculous. We have to do it. But we do have a choice as journalists. You know, uh, campaigns are always a sideshow. They are. It's just just the dynamic of them and the performative element of them. But we journalists have a choice. We can buy, we can sort of ride along with the sideshow and try and puncture it, or we can become a shit show ourselves. And let me tell you, let me tell you what the NDIS is about. It's not about gotcha questions. What it's about is providing what, what, hang on, you, 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 you had, you had your opportunity, you had your opportunity and now it's my turn to answer. You know, after a series of questions about the so-called NDIS gaffe today, Murph, Albanese somehow managed to turn it around to the substance of why Labor is actually pledging to review the scheme, you know, at the heart of it. He was talking about his own mother. Uh, my mum, because she wasn't diagnosed and didn't get the assistance that she needed for her health, uh, couldn't at one stage, two-storey place, the bedrooms were upstairs, uh, she had to come down the steps every day, every morning on a bum because she couldn't walk down the steps. What did you make of his response and his overall performance in this press, in this press conference? I think that uh, that turning back that he achieved today was certainly one of the better performances of this election campaign. I thought today was was very good at a couple of levels. One was he sort of he understood the theatre he was in and uh, and he understood the importance of building your own moments in that theatre. What was good about today is these sort of essential qualities of Albanese's politics, which is emotion, empathy, fired up, hard on sleeve, values, life experience, which I think is relatable to a lot of people. He's not not of privilege. This guy grew up in public housing and had to make his own way in the world. I think sort of projecting that story, that essence of himself, 
in the policy storytelling is also really critical, I think, in these back two weeks. I mean, the Prime Minister, Prime Minister Scott Morrison, you've also described on this, you know, many times as a really tough campaigner, a really disciplined campaigner. He also faces tough questions day in and day out from his press pack. How do you think he does battle with these, with this kind of line of questioning by yeah. comparison? Yeah, well, they, they're like um, they're like oil and water. These two. Anthony Albanese and Scott Morrison. It's partly what sort of it's part of what makes the contest actually really interesting. They have different styles of leadership, different ways of communicating. Morrison understands how to dominate because that is the sort of politician he is. He's got one speed, flat out, straight down the track. He basically holds the bulk of the press pack in contempt. He doesn't really care for our process or what we're doing. He cares about getting his message out. So he is sort of unperturbed, undaunted. He doesn't allow sort of aggressive questioning or impertinences to to break his objective. So his objective is to dominate always and get his message out. His objective is not to be accountable or answer questions. Anthony Albanese has, you know, has a different objective. He's trying to model a different style of leadership He's trying to basically present to the public in the way that he would present as prime minister. He doesn't want to be campaign director. You know, he wants to be prime minister. He's trying to show something other than this sort of alpha leadership. He's trying to sort of, uh, you know, have a dialogue, listen and and answer the questions he's he's asked. Uh, and and that can look scrappy and uh, and less compelling in the theatre of battle that is an election campaign. You know, we've been talking a lot about performance and 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 the theatre of politics today, Murph, and I wonder what advice you would have for voters seeking to look past the theatre and get to the substance of this campaign so that they can make an informed decision on election, on election day. I think uh, my advice would be to disengage voters, uh, to disengage voters listening to our show people who are really busy with their lives, really stretched looking after their families and contributing to their communities. They're making dinner for the kids. They see the TV news on in the family room or whatever, trading on the the atmospherics of this contest just to not necessarily take that as a barometer of anything, (laughs) particularly for television there is this element of narrative and performance and drama in the way news is told. And sometimes that serves the truth and sometimes it doesn't. In fact, sometimes it distorts the truth uh, and, it, and it actually complicates uh, decision-making processes that should be simple. So I would just say to people in, this, in the final two weeks of this election campaign, I know you're busy. I understand that you have many responsibilities and obligations in your life. They are entirely legitimate, but I would encourage you to value your democracy, value your politics sufficiently to pull yourself out of your life, find some bandwidth, find some space in order to get to the substance of what these two men are offering and the alternatives for your own country in the next three years. It's such an important and precious right you have as a voter in this country 
to participate in your own democracy. So rather than just relying on the static that you see or the sideshow that you see on your nightly news, do yourself a favour. <laughs> Exercise your own judgment. And, and, you know, whatever that judgment is, that will be such an important thing you do for your country. Thanks so much for your time, Murph. No worries. That's your campaign catch-up for today. For more great analysis from Catherine Murphy and all of Guardian Australia's Canberra team, you should tune into her podcast, Australian Politics, tomorrow. The whole team will be answering your questions on the election, so you won't want to miss it. This episode was produced by Alison Chan and me, Jane Lee. The executive producers are Miles Martignoni and Gabrielle Jackson. Thanks for listening. See you next week.